What I want to talk about in this series called Discovering the Personality of Jesus is this idea that, that religion has made Jesus two-dimensional. That religion has made Jesus to be someone who he's not. So, here's the question that we're going to be asking tonight and then in the next four weeks. What is Jesus like? <laughs> I'm asking it in a similar tone that I would ask you is if I, if I met you for the first time and I asked you, who's your best friend? And you say, my best friend is Susan or Jack. Uh, and then I'd say, okay, what are they like? What, what is your best friend like? And my concern with, with, with Christianity, specifically in our area of West Michigan that's very religious, is that most of our answers would be pretty shallow. What is Jesus like? It's the question I want each and every one of us to truly consider, truly consider. And so our, our, our main, one of our main verses we're going to be using is 1 John 1, 1 through 3. So 1 John, if you have your Bibles, 1, 1 through 3. And if you're not taking notes, I highly encourage it. It's really hard to remember everything if you don't write it down. You can always go back and listen to it on podcasts, but uh, taking notes is always helpful in remembering. So is, this, is, this is John, one of Jesus' disciples, uh, one of Jesus' closest friends, who's writing this letter, okay? One of Jesus' personal friends, like spent three years traveling and witnessing everything that Jesus did and knew who Jesus was on a, on a, on a personal basis. He says, from the very first day, we were there, taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears, saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands, the word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in most sober prose that we, uh, we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it. We heard it. And now we're telling you. Listen to this. This is John, who was best friends with Jesus. And now we're telling you, so you can experience it along with us. This experience of communion with the Father, who's God, and His Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. So Jesus, Jesus' closest friend writes this letter and says, Listen, I saw what Jesus did. I heard what he teach, taught. I, I was there for all the miracles. I saw it all. And I'm writing this to you so that you can experience the same thing that I experienced. The personhood and the closeness of Jesus. So, so Jesus, if you're familiar with the Gospels, you, you've, you've, or if you're familiar with the story of Jesus, you've heard that Jesus lived, Jesus is God, he came, he was born of a virgin, he lived a perfect life, and then he died on a cross, he rose again on the third day, and it almost becomes numb. But I want you to pause right now and consider the fact that Jesus actually died. 
and that he was down and he was dead for three days, three full days, and he raised back to life. God raised him from the dead, and then Jesus, at the end of Matthew, he's with his disciples, and he, he, he ascends into heaven. So Jesus never died. He died, was raised back to life, and now is ascended into heaven, meaning that Jesus is still living. Okay? Jesus is still living. The person who walked the earth died, performed miracles, was best friends with those 12 disciples, is still living today. He's still alive. Are you at, is this settling with you? That he's still living? Okay, we're going to keep going. He's alive. So we're going to be reading uh, mostly from John 21 today, okay? John 21, 1 through 12. And we're going to be reading from this, and we're going to show uh, one, of, one of the personality types of Jesus, Okay? And this is one that you may have not considered before. Maybe you have. I want you to stick with me here. So I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we'll go back over it piece by piece. John 21, 1 through 12. It's going to be on the screen as well if you don't have your Bible. It says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. So at this point, he had already risen from the dead. He had already appeared once to his disciples. So, like, this is a good day. This is a good day. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana uh, in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. They caught nothing, bad night. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you, had, uh, haven't you ha have any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find, you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter. So the disciple whom Jesus loved is John who wrote this. So whenever you see that, it's John referring to himself. Like it's kind of weird, but he wrote the book, so... It is the Lord. So Peter, uh, John said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals that were, uh, there, were, uh, there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 to be exact. I don't know why they had to add the exact number of fish. But, but even with so many, uh, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Jesus, who just died and rose again, goes to his best friends and says, Let's have some breakfast. <laughs> None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was Jesus. They knew it was the Lord. Okay, some of you are like, oh yeah, I've heard that story before. But we're going to break it down, and we're going to look at through the lens of the personality that Jesus 
was acting in, not that we know for sure, but we can see some key points in here, some observations, and we can see the personality of Jesus coming alive. And so before, before we go into that, I want to ask you this question, and I want you to think about it, and I want you guys to just even popcorn and yell out some answers. What are some of the words you would use to describe Jesus? Amazing. Undescribable. Undescribable. Funny. Just. Holy. Patient. Life. Love. Passionate. You see, these are all correct answers. But what, so I heard love, inviting, passionate, um, uh, mercy, just, all these like very, like no, no offense to any of you who said them, but they're very religious terms. And it's kind of like God is love and compassionate. It's kind of like a get well soon card almost. It's like, it's like Jesus, we've reduced this dynamic person, God himself who came to off. We've reduce, reduced him to these words that aren't even words that we would use to describe our best friend. And I'm not trying to be irreverent because Jesus is just. He is holy. He is love. But if we leave, if we leave our defini definition and perspective of Jesus to religious terms, we'll be afraid to approach him as, a, as the friend that he is. We'll be afraid to approach him as the, as the loving groom that he describes himself as in the Bible. I would never describe my wife with these generic terms. I would use de descriptive, I would use uh, personal terms to describe, and I would give examples to why I, I use these words to describe my wife. And my concern with so much religious Christianity is that we have these Christian Bible school, Sunday school answers, and there's so many people who do not know the person of Jesus. We know a lot about Jesus. We know the stories of Jesus. We know what the Bible says about Jesus. We know the facts that he died and rose again. But when it comes to knowing the resurrected person who lives within you, I, my invitation to us tonight is to get to know that alive person more. Get to know that person in a personal way. So let's break down this passage. Can we do that? Let's break down this passage and just to start to see the personality of Jesus coming alive because there's so much more to his personality than just his love and compassion, although those are two very dynamic characteristics that he has. So let's keep going. Let's read through it again piece by piece. So John 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter and his friends were going fishing. Uh, so they went out fishing. And so they went out and got into their boat, but that night they caught nothing. So I want you to imagine this, okay? I want you to imagine the disciples. They had just seen Jesus crucified on the cross. They were, they were feel, fearful for their lives. And now, and now they had just seen Jesus is risen from the dead. The day before, Jesus visits them, walks through a wall, and says, Hey, boys! <laughs> like, Jesus could have walked through the door, but he chose to go through the wall. Like, if that doesn't describe Jesus' personality, I don't know what does. Like, Jesus is not polite. I think the message of that is Jesus, yes, he's knocking, but sometimes he's not going to open the door. He's going to bust through the wall to get to your heart. Amen. 
He's not going to wait for you to open the doors. He's coming in. That's our Jesus. So the, the, the disciples had just seen the resurrected Jesus, and what do they do? They go, hey, guys, want to go fishing? <laughs> Where's Gabe at? Gabe, this is what Gabe would do. This is what Gabe would do if he saw, if he saw Jesus the next day. He'd be like, let's go fishing. Like, I, I would think, like, okay, let's game plan. Let's huddle up. Okay, what's our plan to take over the world? Jesus is alive. Let's do this. And they're like, let's go fishing. <laughs> so early in the morning, so they caught nothing, right? So the days before, they saw Jesus. Now they're in the boat. They're fishing. They caught nothing. And then it says in verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the s- disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Now what we see is Jesus resurrected, reminding you that he had just spent three days in, in what was called Hades, which was the center of the earth, which is where all the believers from the Old Testament went to be before Jesus came. So he's with all these like dead people down, that, down in the center of the earth. That's what it says in Matthew. Jesus had spent defeating death and the devil. You can imagine what that looked like. Use your imagination. And it says he's just walking Like, I don't know about you, but if I had just been, if I was Jesus, okay, let's just say I was Jesus, (laughs) and I just came up from like hell, and I had defeated the devil, and it says that he took back the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that he took back the keys of authority, dominion, and love, and death had been defeated. If I were Jesus, I would not be walking along the shore. When I was in high school, I played quarterback at Granville, and we had this game. It was homecoming game, homecoming coming up for a lot of these high schoolers. It was homecoming game against Hudsonville. I hated Hudsonville. I still, I'm getting over my distaste for them now. We played Hudsonville, and, and, and it was homecoming game. We were down by, by three points, and it was two minutes left, and I threw a touchdown pass to one of our receivers, and we won the game, and you can imagine how excited and passionate I was, and you're, like, you're just like going crazy, and I can imagine if I were Jesus coming down from defeating death, I'd be coming up, and I'd be like, woo! Come on, guys, we got the keys. Let's go kick some, some devil butt. Let's go destroy demons. And Jesus is walking along the shore. <laughs> what is he trying to prove here? So he's walking along the shore. The disciples do not recognize him. He called out to them, friends. <laughs> like he's not, like he's so like, he's almost hiding himself. He's almost like hiding himself from his disciples like you would, like Bobby always does to me when he comes and sneaks up behind me and tries to steal my keys from, my, from the hook of my pants. Like he's, he's always trying to sneak behind you and scare you and startle you. This is what you almost see in the person of Jesus where he's hiding himself from his best friends who are out fishing. No, they answered. We haven't caught anything. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. So if you, if you rewind, if you rewind, in Matthew 4, uh, Peter, the first time Jesus, or the time that Jesus calls Peter to come follow him, it's a very similar story in Matthew 4. They'd, they'd fished all night, 
And, G- and then it didn't caught nothing. And Jesus said, go put your boat out and cast your net on the, uh, out again. And, you'll, and they caught a huge number of fish. Right after that, Jesus says, Peter, come follow me. So now what you see is you see the personality of Jesus where he brings back a, almost like a best friend moment to his best friends. He's almost like, oh yeah, Peter's going to love this one. <laughs> like, like, so what I'm trying to show you is the, is the, is the personhood of Jesus, how he's not, he's not just this religious figure, but he's a person who values friendship, relationship, he values history, he values memories, he values everything that is in your life, he values creation, he values every piece of your life, because Jesus is in all and is all. And so he, he, he refers back to the time where he first met Peter. So he's like, oh, this one's going to be good. This one's going to be good. I'm going ha- I'm I'm to command because Jesus has authority over all the earth. He says, I'm going to tell all the fish to go on the south side of the lake. And Because I know they're out fishing right now, right? I know they're out fishing. I'm going to send all the fish to the south side of the lake. And then they're going to come in, and I'm going to walk along the shore. And then, and then, and then I'm going to be like, hey, did you guys catch anything? <laughs> and they're going to be like, no. And then I'll be like, Cast your net out again. And he's like, fish, go under the boat. Boom. He commands the fish. And then they catch, they catch all the fish. And Jesus is like, they're going to laugh about this one. <laughs> you see, I think some people get, get afraid when we talk like this about Jesus. Because they feel it's irreverent. Or they feel like, oh, Jesus is too holy to talk about him like this. Listen, Jesus is so holy, but God chose to send a person to earth to to express his love and to show the world what the human race was supposed to live like. He didn't didn't come to earth to show uh, the world how to do religion. He came to show the world how to live. And if he's going to show the world how to live, he's got to take the form of a human. And he's got to, he, he, he acts like us. He has personality, not like us. Yeah, he's probably like an Enneagram 6, actually, if I really, I'm kidding. Okay, <laughs> Jesus is not any one Enneagram, okay? <laughs> Slow down. But sometimes we get so, we can feel like it's irreverent. And I'm like, literally, like, I fear God personally. Like, God is creator of the universe. Like, God, like, there will come a day where he will judge mankind based on what they do with him. There is a very serious nature of Christ, but we preach that very often within the church, and it's very often that we talk about his almost fun, playful, relational friend side of Jesus that is necessary for our sanctification. And so we see Jesus playing through the memories, and what my my application with this point is Listen, so many of us, like, look at our past, and we're, like, so ashamed of our past. Like, we, 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 th- we think about ourselves in high school, and we did so many dumb things, went to parties, did drugs, did things with the opposite sex that we're ashamed of, and we're, 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 we're so ashamed of our past, and, and when in reality, I actually think it'd be really healthy for us if we got to a place with Jesus where if we could look at our past, in a sense, laugh at ourselves, like so many of ourselves, we take ourselves too serious. We're like, because we identify our current state with our previous actions. We identify our identity with what we've done in the past when Jesus is like, listen, that's not even who you are. 
like so many times I'll look back at my life and I can be I can tempted to be ashamed or, or, or condemned by some of the things I've done. But so many times I'll be sitting in prayer and I'll, when that stuff gets brought up, I'll laugh at myself. And I'll be like, Jesus, what did you think about me when I was doing all that crazy stuff? And he was like, he'd be like, yeah, you were an idiot. <laughs> you know, but like, that's not like, the same way that you would reminisce with a best friend. Like I have this with one of my friends uh, from college. That every time I see him, we reminisce to how dumb we were in college. And we just look back and we laugh at ourselves. But so many times we take ourselves so serious and our past so serious that we can't look at it, go in our prayer life and go to Jesus, look back and be like, wow, I was dumb. But Jesus, you were right there with me. You didn't condone, you didn't promote my actions, but you never left me in the midst of it. And you didn't leave me there and you're making me more like you every day. And this is the personality of Jesus. Yes, he's fierce. Yes, he's serious. Yes, he, he, he's God, creator of everything. But at the same time, he's the friend who came to earth, befriended 12 men, gave his life to them, befriended three more and said, be my best friends. This is our Jesus. And when we look at Jesus through the lens of religion, when we look at Jesus through the lens of I'm striving to be a better person, a better Christian, I'm striving to clean up my own mess and my own strength, when we look at our lives and our faith that way, our religion and our Christianity becomes 2D. It becomes two-dimensional. And Jesus is not two-dimensional. So these are some of the stereotypical, I have some pictures for you. These are some of the stereotypical images in pictures that most of us think when we say, who is Jesus? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. So compassionate. Kind. Next picture. Oh yes, Jesus. Holding a lamb. Because he's our great shepherd. <laughs> you guys, it's like, this is, this is not, this is the point. Okay, next picture. This is Jesus wearing a white robe. Listen, I'm a, Jesus is not wearing a white robe, okay? Next picture. Is there another one? Oh, no, it's not, not that picture. That's not Jesus. That's not, okay, we're using that later, okay. But the point is, the point is, is that we have, <laughs> that's for later on. We have, a, we have this two-dimensional view of Jesus to where the, he's this, inhumane, char historical character who has no personality. And when we read the Bible and when we pray, we often view him as a master trying to whip us into shape when in reality he's a friend who's calling us out by the shore while we're fishing. Jesus is not two-dimensional. Jesus is fun. He's relational. He's interactive. He's playful. He is three-dimensional. So I'm going to go back to this question. What is Jesus like? What is Jesus like? What I'm hoping to do here is I'm hoping to make you feel very uncomfortable and very uneasy about what you know of Jesus. 
I'm hoping to stir something within us that makes us so hungry and desperate to know Jesus for ourselves. I'm trying to stir something within us so we're not okay with just knowing Jesus based on what Pastor Jake, Pastor Duane, or Stephen Furtick says about Jesus. I'm trying to stir something within you that makes you go home and to live a life, lifestyle of prayer and, and, and adventure, getting to know the person of Jesus who is alive, who is in you. I'm trying to stir something within us so we're not okay just playing church, knowing the answers and saying God is love, but knowing the resurrected person, fun person of Jesus. Can I stir something within us tonight? where we're not okay with the religious Jesus. Because I, I, would, I, would, I would say that that is not Jesus. The religious Jesus is no Jesus at all. And by religious, I mean controlling, vague person that we've been sold almost our entire lives in the Western church. What is Jesus like? There's, a, there's a, an author by the name of George McDonald. He, he asks this question, how have we learned Christ? There's a phrase, how we know something is just as important as what we know. How have we learned Christ? Have we learned him through sermons, books, that are not the Bible, and Bible studies, or we have we learned Christ from a personal connection with a, with a living Savior who is near and dear to us? How have we learned Christ? It ought to be startling, this is George MacDonald, it ought to be startling, a startling thought that we may have learned him wrong. I'll repeat that. It ought to be a startling thought that we may have learned Christ wrong. That it was all about getting your act together, cleaning yourself up, getting your, get, overcoming your sin on your own strength, living a lifestyle of, of, of seriousness of your faith and not living a, an adventurous, almost fun adventure with Jesus in your life. Because to learn of Jesus, Jesus through religion is not learning of Jesus at all. So there's this thing called religion. And I, and I do quite, I, I do some bit of like evangelism in, in just every day. So whether I'm in the mall or at a store or mire, like when God leads me, I'll talk to someone about like just Jesus and, and pray for them and stuff like that. And there's a group, Jared and, and Alon, and they, they and Braden, they do a whole, on Monday nights, they, they go out and pray for people in the mall. And it's just amazing. And they would attest to this, that when you talk to people about like God, they'll say, oh yeah, 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 I'm a religious person. You heard that before? Like, yeah, I'm a religious person. Like, sometimes I'm like, that is not a good thing. <laughs> like, that is not a good thing to be a religious person. In some ways, it's better to be unreligious than religious. It's better to be uh, cold than lukewarm. So there's this poison of religion. And religion is a tool of the devil 
to distort the person and personality of the true Jesus. Religion. Some of you are like, I'm saying this, and some of you are like, I'm so confused right now. I thought Christianity was a religion. Christianity is not a religion. It's a personal relationship with individuals with Christ. It's a relationship. And the devil has been counterfeiting Jesus with these false versions of him. And I want to uh, make a statement here. All of Jesus' conflict. So when you read the New Testament, when you, when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, all of his conflict that Jesus had, all, the, all of the arguments were with religious people. Every single one of them. All of his arguments were with religious people. They were with, in their day, they were called the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, but today they would be the theologians, the pastors. That's who Jesus was arguing with. Because they were presenting a form of godliness, but denying any power, denying any transformational power. And Jesus came to destroy religion. This is from a book called Beautiful Outlaw. This is no coincidence. Jesus came to the most religious people on earth, and much of what he had to do in order to bring them to God was to free them from religion. Jesus came. The Israelites, the Jewish people, were the most religious people on earth. And much of what he had to do in order to bring them to God was to free them from their religion. You see, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. The only warning, the only warning that Jesus ever gives to his disciples is to watch out for religion. He doesn't say, watch out for the devil. He doesn't say, watch out for all the sin. Listen, those are big deals. We need to fight it. But the warning that Jesus gave to his disciples was watch out for religion. And so much of, of Western Christianity celebrates religion, and Jesus came to destroy it. And I have to ask myself this so often. This is a prayer that I've been praying in the last month and a half. Jesus, reveal any religion in me. Jesus, remove any religious undertones that I have in my faith. Jesus, remove the religion that I've been taught and sold and, and, and picked up on because of the culture that I live in. Jesus, remove and expose that religion. I don't want religion, Jesus. I want the true you. The person, the personality of Jesus. So let's keep reading the story. Then the disciples whom Jesus, uh, so we're continuing, remember, so they had just walked, right? They had just walked along the shore. They had just seen Jesus. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord as soon as Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were, uh, were not far from shore, but a hundred yards. Peter is like, Peter jumps out of the boat to go spend time with Jesus. I want, you remember, I want us to remember 1 John 1, 1 through 3. This is John, right? the disciple whom Jesus loved. He said the same 
So the word of life appeared in our eyes, we saw it, and now we're telling you in most sober prose that we, what we witnessed was incredibly this. Next, next. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. Listen, so many of us find spending time with Jesus, reading our Bible, going into prayer as a drag. I'm telling you, there's a space of relational excitement that you and I can get in where when we think about spending time with Jesus, we jump out of a boat to go and be with him. There doesn't have to be this like, I got to set my alarm, got to go to the Word, got to do my devotions, and then we don't do our devotions because we hit the snooze button, and then we're like, crap, oh, Jesus doesn't love me. Now I got to go and do 20 minutes tomorrow instead of 10 so I can make up for what I lost yesterday. Listen, we do not have to live in religion. We can live in this dynamic, exciting space to where we're actually excited, fueled, and passionate about spending time with our friend Jesus. Our friend, Jesus. But so many people view him as someone afar off, but he's actually inside of you. Whew. You notice that he met with his disciples and his best friends <laughs> out on the shore of a lake. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full. Uh, I'm sorry, it was full of large fish, 153, but even the, so many, uh, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. This is a, a staggering, st- uh, uh, not a statistic, but an observation. Of the 34 miracles, this is going back to the Gospel of Matthew, of the 34 miracles Jesus performed, only one of them took place in a church. Of the 34 miracles Jesus performed in the book of Matthew, one of them was in the church. Listen, my friends, you do not need to come to Access to have relationship with Jesus. Listen, Access is an amazing group. Worship is amazing. The teaching, I think, is pretty good. Um, But but listen, you do not need me to have a dynamic, passionate relationship with Jesus. He is in you. He is with you. He is on your walks in the morning. He's on your way to work. He's at your work. He's, he's next to you in your bedroom. He's with you in your, when he wakes you up in the morning and you're up. He's with you every moment of every day waiting to remind you of past things so you can laugh, cry, and have a relationship with the living, risen Jesus. Amen. And he is fun and personal and adventurous. He is love, but he's so much more. He is a person of love, a best friend. Jesus is looking to get our attention so that he can eat breakfast with us. (laughs) The resurrected Savior of the world set this whole situation up so that he could have breakfast with his friends. This is not what I would have done if I just resurrected from the dead. (laughs) But it shows what Jesus is really like. It shows his true personality. He's fun. He's relational. He wants to share a meal. And he wants to speak to us even when we just failed him a few days ago as the disciples did. But here's what I'm afraid of. But here's the invitation that we have. Well, I'm afraid that we've, we've viewed Jesus as so religious 
that he is he is desperately pursuing and wooing and, and, and giving you signs every day. But because you do not have a grid for his personality, you miss it. You're like, Jesus would never speak to me through a song. Especially a secular song. Jesus would never speak to me through a secular song. Think again. I'm not condoning, like, bad music. <laughs> but to think that Jesus is only involved in Christian music is a pretty religious thought. <laughs> Jesus wants to meet with you on a run. And he wants to speak to your heart and remind you of something that happened long ago that you can laugh about. But because we only think that we can meet with him when we're in our space of Bible study. The Bible's amazing. Listen, we've said it multiple times. Like, re, you need to be in the Bible because this is where you find out his personality. But he wants to meet with you on your car ride. You know, I was, uh, this happened just today. I'm still trying to make, make sense of it, but I was preparing for a message that I spoke in the, in the high school and middle school last night, and I was going to do like a little illustration with Instagram, so I went to one of my latest posts, and I, and I just looked up all the list of people who liked my post. I, was, I wasn't, okay, I'm not like self-absorbed, okay, I was doing, using it for an illustration. Um, so I was looking through the list, and I was swiping, and I was swiping and looking at it, and they only had like 12 likes, but I'm kidding, it had a little more than that, but um, I looked at it, and, uh, and, I, and all of a sudden, a friend of mine from high school I haven't seen in 10 years like the photo. I was like, man, I haven't seen him in like 10 years. I was like, that's weird. Not that I wasn't even making sense of it, right? And then I went out to work out today and I went to a park to run and I was sitting in my car. That happened yesterday. Today, I haven't seen him in 10 years. And I'm putting on my shoes and I'm tying them up. And I look up and he's right in front of me. And I'm like, what the heck? like, Jesus, you're amazing. Like, Jesus, you're amazing. Now, nothing like crazy happened at all, but what I know is God's bringing something together and he's playful using Instagram to set something up with this dude that I haven't seen in 10 years. And there was a time a few, a few uh, about a year and a half ago, it's still something that I pray through, where wherever I went, I saw the number 14. It was so weird. It was like I'd go somewhere, and it was like 14. I'd get in my car, turn my car on, and it'd be like 914. And then i go, and then I look, and it's like 14, 14. I, get, I, get, uh, I go to somewhere, I check out, your total is uh, 141. And I'm like, what? Like, my total is like 914. And I just seen 14, and I'm like, what the heck? So I shared it with one of the, one of the volunteers in the youth, and he actually did some research for me because I wasn't making sense of it. And he said, 14 is, is, a, is a number in the Bible. It means the transition of a generation. So it's actually like the, 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 the 14 weeks was like from 14 generations between Moses and David. 14 generations from David to Jesus. So there's like this shift of culture, the shift of the kingdom that happens with 14. And so I was like, well, that's weird. God, what are you speaking through that? Like, and so through the number 14, God started to minister to me, encourage me, saying, your generation is, 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 
is the generation that the kingdom is going to experience something new it's never seen. And so I'm like, whoa, Jesus, you're showing me through numbers. You're showing me and having a relationship with me, encouraging me through numbers. But here's the, here's the deal. If we don't have a grid for it, we'll never see it. If we only view Jesus and describe him as love and just and holy, if we only describe him as that, we'll miss out on the subtle, fun, and creative ways that Jesus wants to interact with us. But listen, here's where we find his personality. Right here. In John 21 in the story. And as we read, my encouragement is to start reading the Gospels in view of Jesus' personality. We're going to continue next week. We're going to talk about a different, uh, a different personality that Jesus has. And it, it, it's just going to be, I truly believe that this series is going to shift something within our group where, eat, where personally you're going to have dynamic conversations and interactions with the living Jesus. I truly believe that. And I want to end with this, with a question. What is Jesus like? What is he like? I'm not here to give you all the answers. My, my, my job tonight is to encourage you and motivate you to go in your own life on your own time and discover the personality, the love, the kindness, the generosity and friendship that we all can have with Jesus. Will you guys bow your heads? This is a prayer that... that that I've been praying recently, the last month and a half, and I just want to share it with you. Something that, that each one of you can take with you if you would like. It's simply this, Jesus, show me who you really are. The true you. Jesus, I want the real you. I ask for you. Holy Spirit, free me in every way to know Jesus as he really is. Open my eyes to see him. And deliver me from everything false about Jesus and bring me what is true. In Jesus' name, amen.